Hey, welcome to True Life Church Online. We are so glad that you are joining us wherever you are, whether you are in Denver, whether you're in Texas or California or Korea or wherever you are, we are glad that you are joining us today. We're glad that you are here with us. And listen, we believe that God's Word speaks and we believe He can speak to us no matter where we are. If we're in our living rooms, if we're in bed, wherever we are in the world, wherever we are in the city, we believe even though we're not together right now, that God can speak to us and He wants to speak to us and that we can come to Him and that we can together be united in prayer and be united in listening and processing and experiencing God's voice to us today. So we are glad that you are here. My name is Caleb. I'm the pastor at True Life Church, and I'm excited that we can spend this time together even though we're not in the same room. So would you pray with me, and then we will jump into God's Word today. Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you want to speak to us. I thank you that we can hear your word in crazy times like this and that we can learn from you and listen to you and that you want to change us wherever we are and you want to speak into our hearts wherever we are. And so I thank you for that, Lord, and ask that today you would um, convict us, that you would comfort us, that you would grow us, and that we would know you more. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. These are crazy times that we're in. These are challenging times, and there's all sorts of, of various challenges that these things present, whether that is disappointments or fear or anxiety, like we talked about last week, or all sorts of different things. And what do we often do when things are challenging? What do we often do in times like these when they're kind of crazy? And there's a lot of things that we do, but one of the things I think that many people do that unites us is that we pray. In times of suffering, if you have lost someone in your life, or if you've lost a job, or, or if you have had hard things happen, oftentimes we pray. When there's national tragedies that take place, a lot of times people even come together that maybe often wouldn't come together, and they pray. Even right now, there is uh, Google put out some data that, that the searching for prayer is skyrocketing, that people are searching for how do I pray and what do I pray. And prayer is something that we often do when times are rough, when times are challenging, when we are confused, when we feel the pressure of life. And here's what I want to say about that. Our instincts are right. And listen, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're someone that's not sure, even if you haven't been to church in a long time, but you find yourself saying, I need more than me, and you start praying, our instincts are right. Prayer is the key that we need in times like this. It's the, it's the key that we need all of our life, but our instincts are right. Just like water after a run. If you're somebody that um, likes to go on runs. I don't know why you would do that unless someone is chasing you, but if you're like uh, if you're like that, if you're someone that likes to go on runs, your body instinctually knows that it needs when the pressure heats up, when the physical um, when the physical pressure is 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 getting created. Obviously, I don't know anything about running. When the physical pressure is getting created, your body knows. I need water. Your body knows that it needs some life to come inside of it 
from outside of it. And that is what our instincts tell us when the spiritual pressure, when the emotional pressure heats up, when we are emotionally and spiritually and just lifely exhausted, our instincts say, I need life from outside of me to help me. And that is why we are drawn to prayer. And many people believe this and our instincts are right. And yet, if we're honest, if we're honest, we would most of us probably say that our prayers are weak, that maybe we don't know how to pray or what to pray. And, and when times aren't kind of suffering and crazy, we, they're inconsistent and we might pray at a meal or pray, uh, pray really quick for a friend. And, but, but we don't, if we're honest, we would say, man, my praying isn't great. It's maybe just moments, and back to our kind of water analogy, we have moments of, of drinking it in, but we're not living hydrated. We're not living with the benefits of having the right H2O balance in our system. And, and with prayer, it's often like that. We have glimpses of, I'm kind of drinking it in really quickly because I'm parched, but not necessarily living with the right amount of prayer in our lives. Prayer gives life, just like water gives life to the body. But listen, what if, what if we could live in this reality? What if instead of glimpses, what if, what if, you know, right now you're praying and you experience some benefit because times are tough and so you start praying, but what if we could live in that? What if instead of just tragedy and trial that we lived in prayer? What if we could live in that reality instead of glimpses it became the norm and we're going to look at a story in the in the book of luke where the disciples see jesus praying and we're going to be in luke 11 if you want to turn there and or you can pull it up on on the screen but we we are going to look at a story where the disciples come to jesus and i love this because they see jesus praying they see him praying, and there's something about the way that Jesus prays that is very different. And listen, they've been around church, and they've been around uh, rabbis and teachers, and they've seen a lot of praying. And, and you and I, we've seen a lot of praying, but they see him, and they see something different. They see him, and it draws them to say, teach us to pray. They see him praying, and they say, there's something about you that's different. Teach us to pray the way that you are praying. And listen, I, you've probably never had somebody say that to you. I don't know if I've ever had somebody say that to me. You've probably never been sitting at a booth at a, at a restaurant back when we could go to restaurants. Back in the day, we could go to restaurants, not just pick up, right? So maybe you've never had that happen. My guess is you were never sitting at a restaurant praying for your food and, and somebody came up and said, I heard you praying, good sir or good madam. Teach me to pray. You've probably never had that happen. But there's something about Jesus when the disciples listen in, something unsettling, something maybe inspiring, maybe even confusing that they say, there's something about the way you are praying that is different. And we want to learn how to pray. Listen, if our instinct is right, if our instincts to pray when times are hard are right, if those are right, and I believe they are, then we need prayer. But we need the right kind of prayer. And the right kind of prayer leads to the right kind of benefits that it offers in our lives. So here's our question for today is how do we get all we can from praying? These moments, these crazy times lead us often to praying, but we often don't really know how? So how do we get 
all we can from praying. And, and that's what the disciples brought to Jesus, and that's what Jesus offered in his teaching. So I'm going to read this, and then we will look at how it is that we can get the most out of praying. So here it is in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. About Jesus, it says, He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. Now, this is a very famous prayer, very famous prayer called the Lord's Prayer. And this helps us as we begin to say, how can we get all we can from praying? First question is this, what do we pray? What do we pray? Many people feel that they need to know how to pray, just like the disciples. They say, teach us to pray. That may be something that you feel. You may feel that your prayers are inconsistent, or you don't know what to pray, or you don't know how to pray, or you don't know where to pray. I mean, all these different things, we can often have a lot of questions. And the disciples come to him with various struggles and say, teach us to pray. Now, before we get into what Jesus says to pray, I want to just point this out because I think this is very important. What it means that Jesus actually answers them. They say, teach us to pray, and Jesus says, okay, here you go. What that means is this. We can learn to pray. We can grow in praying. Jesus does not say to them, doesn't matter. Just pray from your heart. He doesn't say, no one can teach you to pray. This is a personal thing between you and God. I think that's, if we were to write the story today, that's often how we kind of think about these things. Is prayer is a very personal thing between you and God, and there's no right way, and, and just do it. I, and, and that's how we often, especially in America, tend to think. But that's not what Jesus says. They come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray. And he says, okay, I will do that. There is a way to pray. We, you and I, can grow in praying. We can grow and mature in our knowledge of how to actually connect with God in prayer. And thus, we can grow in experiencing the benefits of praying. And here is what Jesus tells us that we should pray. First, he starts with this, Father. That's the starting point. He says, we pray, Father. Now, to us, that doesn't sound very unique. We've been in church and, and even just in American culture and from when this was written, it's been a couple thousand years, so this is way more normal now. But when Jesus said this, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, it only referred to God as Father, I think 15 times, if I'm looking at my notes correctly here, 15 times and never in prayer. So in the Old Testament, it only talks about God as Father 15 times. That's not that many at all. In the New Testament, it's hundreds. Only 15 times and never addressed God as Father in prayer. So when Jesus started to say, let me teach you how to pray. And he said, you start with Father. That was a radical idea. He could have said, King, and that is true. He could have said, Lord, and that is true. He could have said, Creator, Maker, all those things are true. But he said, you want to learn to pray the way I pray. You, you want to see what's different about how I'm praying. Let me teach you something. 
It is rooted in relationship. It is rooted as you as child and God as a father. That changes the perspective. That changes how we approach God, that we are to approach him as a little child comes to their father. That is the beginning of it, which is humbling for us. And it roots us in the whole thing that we're going to ask and what we're going to say. We're not just speaking to some, the, the universe. Sometimes people even talk about the universe. We're not talking to the universe. We're not talking to some distant entity, to some God that's out there. We are talking to our Father. Very important that Jesus begins the prayer saying, here is what it is rooted in. And to talk about God as Father and to have that be the beginning of prayer, I think helps us to remember this is a personal relationship that we're engaging in. We're not just saying God and kind of just saying our prayers. Dear God, we're, we, we're not doing that. We are talking to our Father. And so it roots and begins the whole process very differently. When you pray, do you pray thinking of God as your father? Thinking of God as a real person that's listening to you? Do you think of yourself as a child who is needy and coming to a good father? That's where he begins it. That's number one. Number two, Jesus then says this, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your name be honored as holy. Or if you have memorized this as a kid, sometimes that phrasing is, hallowed be your name. Your name be honored as holy. Here, here's what this is saying. It is a desire. It's a desire for people to know and worship God. Someone's name, especially then, but this is true now, someone's name represented everything about them. Someone's name represented all that they are. Sometimes companies will talk about their name or their brand and they don't want it to be tarnished in any way and they want to have a brand, um, they want to have the brand uh, to be recognized consistently across the board and, and they want to have it, especially if companies franchise, they want to make sure the brand is consistent and the same because they want their name to mean something and to be easily identifiable and represented with who they are. And the same thing is true about uh, God and about individuals, that our name represents who we are. Sometimes you may hear someone's name. Maybe um, you met someone that another friend knows and they say, oh, do you know Sally? And they go, oh, I love Sally. Because just the mention of the name, they say, oh, I, that, when I hear that name, it makes me think of their humor and their personality and their kindness. And someone's name represents who they are. Or you may think about the name of an actor or someone and somebody says oh do you have you seen the movie with so-and-so and they go oh i love that actor they're in all my favorite movies and someone's name brings up their reputation okay so all of that is to say this jesus says here's how we are to pray your name your name be honored as holy jesus says that we should be praying with the desire to see god's name known loved cherished delighted in that when people hear the name of God when they hear the name of Jesus when they hear the name of God as he is revealed in the Bible that they would say oh man I love that person that person is so amazing so special as part of what holy can mean so unique I love that name and it also means this that we see in the world around us we see and feel 
that it's not. That people don't hear the name of Jesus. They don't hear the name of God and go, oh, I love that. We see and feel it's not like that. And so we start our prayers with a desire to say, in my life, God, I want your name to be treasured. In the life of my family, I want your name not to be a kind of a, oh, yeah, 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 God, or okay, you know, that it's sort of there and known, but not treasured as holy or that it's even disregarded. No, we say, I want it. I want when people hear the name of Jesus, I want my kids, I want myself, I want my city, when they hear the name of God to go, ah, that is holy, that is special, that moves me. That's the beginning. And then he says, next, your kingdom come. To pray that God's kingdom would come is to pray that his will would be done, that life with God as king would happen. See, whenever there is a a newly elected leader, they bring in their policies. They bring in what their kingdom in some way is like. Here is my platform that I'm running on. Here are the policies that I am going to enact. And if you like those, you vote for them. And if you don't like those, you vote for another candidate. But if God is king, that is what we want, where his policies and his values are the rule that we live under. Wouldn't that be amazing right now? If in our world, God was absolutely king and everyone followed his will the way it should be, there would be no sickness. There would be no injustice. There would be no pain. There would be no suffering. There would be only hope and only love and only and only self-giving and love of neighbor. And so when we pray, your kingdom come. We're praying, God, would you come into this earth and rule and reign? Would your will be done? And when we pray that, we're praying that our lives would align with that. And so that anything not in line with that would go away. We're praying that that would be true in our family, that it would be like God was king in our home. We're praying that for our city, that God would come, his kingdom would be here. And that that's a prayer of of wanting more and more people to obey the will of God. It's also a prayer of the future, wanting God's kingdom to fully come for Jesus to return and set all things right. So we pray, your kingdom come. It's a prayer of surrender to him in our own life. It's a prayer of joining him in bringing that about. And it's a prayer of hope and expectation, asking him to make things right. And then... And then he moves on to some requests, prayers for daily bread and forgiveness. And we'll get into those in a second. But I just want to pause for a second because I think this is so important to notice and to point out that often our prayers are only the next part of of this prayer that Jesus gives to us. They're prayers for needs and requests. They're prayers for other people. But how often do our prayers start with, God, here I am, I'm going to pray hallowed be your name. Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. How often do our prayers actually include those things? And I don't just mean the words. Maybe if you say the Lord's Prayer, you say those words. But how much of our prayers, maybe another way to say it, how much of our prayers are really built on prayers to see God's name be made holy and prayers for his kingdom to come? Or how much is that the priority of our prayers? Is that really where we start? Is that really where we begin? Is praying that we want God's name to be holy and praying that his kingdom would come? I don't think so. I think many times we start with our needs or the needs of people around us. 
And those are good things, and Jesus will get to those, but we often don't pray like this. And I must say that if we want to learn from Jesus, if we want to learn how Jesus says that he prayed, we're far from the way Jesus prayed if we don't have as priority in our prayers the desire for God's name to be holy and for his kingdom to come. So I want you to think about, I want you to think about your prayers. I want you to think about how much of them actually match up to that. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. You go, I know how to pray. I've been praying since I was a little kid. But, but really, how much of our prayers reflect this? How much of our prayers are really robustly saying, God, I want your name to be known as holy, and I want your kingdom to come? If they're not, then Jesus would say, we have a long way to go. We have a long way to grow. That our prayers need to mature that we haven't yet actually modeled our prayers after the way Jesus says, whenever you pray, here's how it should begin. Here's how it should start. I think many of our prayers need to mature. And that's okay. The disciples come to him and say, teach us to pray because they saw things that were different from the way they prayed. And we can learn and grow in our praying. We need to be taught. We need to learn. So, Then Jesus moves into the prayer for daily bread. He says, give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Here's what this means. We have needs. I mean, you know that, obviously, and maybe even during this time, things have intensified, but we have needs. We have financial needs. We might have physical food needs, might have paper towel needs or bleach needs or toilet paper needs. We we have needs. You might have needs as you're working from home right now for extra patience. You might have needs right now for love for the people around you. We have physical needs that when we we pray, give us each day our daily bread, that is a prayer to say we need physical things. And and some people also look at this and, and, you know, Jesus talked about bread and the Bible talks about bread a lot as spiritual needs. Also, Jesus says you don't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, Some people also see in this a need for our daily spiritual needs that we have, but you and I have needs. What I love about this prayer that Jesus gives to us is that it breaks our self-sufficiency. So often we look at the needs that we have. We look at the needs for for, uh, improved character change, patience, and love, and, and even our physical needs, our finances, and um, whatever that might be, we, we look at those things and say, okay, I, I'll take care of it. And, and I just need kind of more of me. And Jesus is saying, God wants you to come to him. God is inviting you to bring your needs to him, which means that God sees your needs, that God sees where you need nourishment. He sees, he sees where you need provision. And God says, come to me with those. I know that those exist. I'm not bothered by the fact that you have needs. I want you to bring them to me. The prayer for daily bread means that God is a helper, that God is a provider, and he wants to meet those needs. One of the things about this that I don't like, if I'm honest, is that it says, give us each day our daily bread. I don't want that. I want to come to God and say, God, here's the needs I have for the year. I I want the Costco God. I want to come to God and say, I need a whole bread truck. I don't want to have to come every single day and every single hour and say, okay, I'm, I'm back again. But Jesus tells us to pray, give us each day 
our daily bread. God wants us to come to Him for each day's need. God doesn't usually work um, as a bread truck. He doesn't usually work as giving us everything we need for the year, and there you go, you're stored up and good, come see me in a year. That's not how it works. God says, I want you to come to me each day because you have needs each day, you are needy each day, and I will provide each day what you need. I think part of the reason he does that is to build in a dependency on us to need to come to him over and over and over again. If, if he just gave us everything we needed for the next year, we would probably feel very self-sufficient and forget that it was him in the first place that gave it to us. And so Jesus says to come and pray, give us each day our daily bread. And then next he says, and forgive us our sins, for we, all, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And it uses the word debt as a metaphor for sin, but he, he uses this as the next prayer to say, forgive us of our sins. Now, here's what this means, and this maybe is encouraging for some of you. God expects us to sin often. If Jesus says, here's how you should pray, that this is a daily prayer, obviously, because we're praying each day for bread, then we're also uh, admitting that we are going to sin probably, definitely, on a daily basis. And God knows that. He expects us to sin often. If Jesus says the way that you should pray is every day asking for forgiveness of sin, then that means God knows that we are going to sin all the time. It doesn't throw him uh, by, it doesn't catch him by surprise. It doesn't catch him off guard. God expects that we are going to sin. And sometimes, I know, that we can come to God and say, God, I need to confess my sin to you. And then we do it the next day. God, I need to confess my sin to you. And we start to feel, what's the point? Why am I even doing this? I feel like until I kind of get my life together, I shouldn't keep coming back to God. God has heard it already. He's heard it. Again. Listen to me. That is a lie from Satan. Satan is the one that wants to keep you from coming to God with your sin. God says, I invite you every day and my mercies are new every day for your sin. That God's grace, God wants, uh, listen, God wants you to experience his grace every single day because we need his grace every single day. He wants you to experience his forgiveness and the cleansing, the removal of guilt, the removal of shame, his love, his forgiveness. He wants you to taste that every single day. And so he says, come to me every day knowing that you need forgiveness, that we need forgiveness every day. And so we confess. We say, forgive us of our sins. Are you bringing your sin to God? That's a really important question. I know we probably know this, but are you bringing your sin to God daily? Or do you let days go by, maybe even weeks go by, and you've sinned in thought, in attitude, in action? You've sinned in Time has now gone by and, and your heart actually then becomes cold to your sin, becomes indifferent to it. God wants us to have a regular pattern in our life of asking for forgiveness, both so that the sin changes, but also so we experience His grace. But He also says that we are to pray that we would forgive everyone in debt to us, which is an expectation that people are probably going to sin against you every day. And if you're cooped up at home, working from home, that's probably even more so true. 
If you have other people around you, roommates and family and friends, that you put a bunch of people in an environment and say, you can't leave, then people are going to sin against each other even more. And Jesus expects that people are going to be sinning against you on a daily basis. And he wants it not to just be built into our lives that we are receiving forgiveness daily, but that we are giving forgiveness daily. He wants grace to rule in our relationships. That there is a dynamic play from us receiving God's forgiveness and then forgiving others. Then he moves to the final petition, which is, and do not bring us into temptation. I think this is important that it ends here. Because God is saying, Jesus is saying, I want you to pray that God's name would be holy. I want you to pray that his kingdom would come. I want you to pray for daily needs. I want you to pray for forgiveness for your sin and to be able to forgive others. And then it ends with, don't bring us into temptation, which I think in part is to say we're prone to forget all this. We're prone to wander from all this. We're prone to not have God's name be holy in our lives or to desire his kingdom to, be, to come and set our priorities are on our kingdoms coming. And we forget to confess and we forget to come to him for our needs. And we're prone to wander, to be tempted. And this is a prayer to say, I need you, Lord. I can't even pray to you. I can't even do these things without your help. So prevent me from being tempted and falling into temptation. Where do you feel tempted right now? Where do you feel tempted to lean on your own self-sufficiency? Where do you feel tempted for your kingdom to be what matters most to you? Where do you feel tempted not to forgive others in your life right now that have sinned against you? Where do you feel tempted in sin? Where is it that you feel you are continually falling into the same patterns and the same fears and the same routines and the same actions and the same attitudes? It can be all sorts of things. And sometimes trials and, and things like it are happening right now bring that to the surface more. Where are you tempted? Jesus says, I want you to come to God knowing you cannot handle it on your own. You will not make it through this on your own. You will not become who God wants you to be on your own. You won't. None of us will. And so we come to him and say, prevent us. Do not bring us into temptation. Are you praying that? Are you asking him that? This is what God wants for us. So our question is, what do we pray? What do we pray? We need to pray all of this. This is what Jesus says we need. And without this, we become imbalanced. Maybe we pray for forgiveness a lot. Maybe we pray for our needs a lot. But we're not praying that God's name would be honored as holy. We're not praying for his kingdom to come. We're not praying for help in temptation. Jesus gives us this, and it's important. I don't think we have to say these exact words, but the structure is important. Otherwise, we become imbalanced. We get off kilter and only pray certain things. Imagine, though, this, these things, all of these things, active in your life. Imagine it being real in your life that God is provider for your daily needs. Imagine it being real in your life that God is the forgiver for every sin. Imagine it being real in your life that God is guiding you away from temptation. Imagine God's name being more holy and precious to you. Jesus says we need to pray all of this, and he wants us to know God as forgiver. He wants us to experience and know God as 
provider. He wants us to know God as the one who is king and who is working in this world and who is holy and different from everything else. He wants us to know God as helper in temptation. The invitation to pray is the invitation to experience in your life God as all of this. And let me just say this too. All of these prayers are plural. Whenever you pray, and that word is plural, whenever you all pray, Jesus says, pray like this. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves do not bring us into temptation. That's because Jesus is not just giving us individual ways to pray. Yes, we can pray this by ourselves, but he's saying this is the kind of community I want. This is the kind of community that he is forming, a community like this, centered on God, centered on grace, centered on his will. This is the kind of community he wants for us. And it's what he wants. Listen, even if you're not a part of our church right now, this is the kind of community we want for you to experience. So what do we pray? This is what we pray. Second is what helps us to pray like this. Because if we're honest, even though we can learn how to pray, it's still difficult. And Jesus knows this. Jesus knows this because he says, here's how you should pray. But then immediately he transitions because he's not naive into saying, but I know, even though I told you this, it's going to be difficult. And so he gives us the key to helping us in our prayers. What do we pray? Jesus tells us. But then Jesus also tells us how to pray like this, or what can motivate us to pray like this, or the key to being able to keep praying like this, because he knows that our tendency, and if you're honest, you know your own heart in this. I know my heart. Our tendency is to try this and give it up. Maybe a moment of inspiration, and then it kind of peters out. He knows that our tendency is to not be consistent, and maybe you have prayed for things. You've asked for things, and nothing has happened, and so your prayer's don't happen the way that maybe you would want them to happen, or maybe you don't feel it doing what you want it to do, or I don't know what it is, but Jesus knows that our prayers can easily become inconsistent. And deeper than that, deeper than just inconsistency or habit or discipline, Jesus knows that our prayers oftentimes will start out great, but then we wonder. We wonder, is God really good? We wonder, is God really able to do things? We wonder, does God really want to do things? Jesus teaches us how to pray, but then immediately, because he's not naive, he knows your heart, he knows my heart, says, you're going to need some help. You're going to need some help to be consistent, and you're going to need some help for your view of God. And so let me read you this next little illustration that Jesus gives to us, because it really gives us the key that we need to keep praying like this. So here's what it says then in Luke 11, 5. He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. 
Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What helps us to pray the Lord's Prayer? What helps us to pray in the way that Jesus says? He, he knows our tendency and He tells this story. And I love this story. It's very funny, actually. And the, and the point of the story is you've got this friend who is annoying his other friend. You've got a friend who says, I need some food and it's midnight. And I love that the guy is saying, go away. My kids are asleep. If, for those of you that are parents, you know, if someone's making a lot of noise and knocking on your door in the middle of the night, you are going to tell them, get out of here. You're going to wake up my kids. I don't want to get out of bed. This friend says, I need some food, which I don't know if Amazon Prime, you know, their, their shipping orders were delayed like now or, or what the problem was, why he wasn't prepared. But he comes to his friend's house and says, give me something, please. And his friend says, no, go away. We recently borrowed some candles for a birthday cake from some friends and they were happy to provide them for us. But probably if it was midnight and we were knocking on the door, they would have been annoyed if we would have kept knocking and saying, we need some candles for a birthday cake. They would have been annoyed. And that's just what happens here. The friend is annoyed. And Jesus says, listen, listen, he says, he's not helping him because he's his friend. In the, in, at midnight, he doesn't care if he's his friend. But he is going to help him because he's so annoying. He is going to help him because of his shameless boldness. Just to shut him up, just to get him away, he will help him. I was ordering online and ordering some groceries for us, and my kids kept saying, can we get juice, 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 please, can we get juice, juice? I wasn't planning on buying juice, but they were annoying me. They kept asking for juice. My son wanted tomato juice, juice, tomato juice. And I was like, well, are you a 60-year-old man with a prostate problem? Why do you want tomato juice? He says, I want juice, juice. So finally, okay, I'll get you the juice. Not because I was his friend in that moment, but because I just needed to add it to the cart to give him some juice. Jesus takes this story. I love this. He says, there's an annoying friend and someone will help them out because of their shameless boldness. But then he says, then he says this, God, God is different from that. If a friend will help out another friend because of shameless boldness, if a friend will help out another friend just because he's annoyed, how much more? will a good father, how much more will a good father give you what you want? Not because you're annoying him, but because he loves you. Even when we look at the story, the, the person in the story that is being annoyed says, I need to take care of my kids. You are annoying me and you're going to wake up my kids. And then Jesus flips the story and says, but what about, see, a father always takes care of their kids. And he says, what if you're not an annoying friend? What if God isn't treating you that way, but he's a father? How much more? Your annoying friends, you know, we even have a phrase that says the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? But what if God doesn't look at you as a squeaky wheel? What if God looks at you as a child? How much more then will he take care of you? That, that is what Jesus says at the end. He tells the story about the 
the, uh, he tells the story about the annoying friend, and then he says, what father among you, if a son asks for a fish, is going to say, ah, I trick, here's a scorpion instead, and they ask for an egg, and you say, here's a snake, and I got that backwards, but no, no one does that. And Jesus says, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit, and if he will give the Holy Spirit, which is the ultimate gift, God's presence himself, his power himself, then won't he give you anything else that you need? How much more? That is the key to prayer. See, Jesus tells us what to pray in the Lord's Prayer, but then he tells us what we need to pray like this, what will actually help us, and it's our view of God. It's who we believe God to be. And Jesus says, how much more? I love that. Listen, for those of you that are parents, you know, and if, even if you're not a parent, you still know this. I know if you're an aunt or an uncle, you love your nieces, you love your nephews, or, or you can even just think of your own parents in this way, if they were good parents. I, I, you know, I, I made the joke about the tomato juice, but, but before that, I actually I went to the grocery store and they were out of a bunch of things, but I was like, man, I, I want to I wanna buy a bunch of fun stuff for my kids because we we're supposed to go on a trip and we weren't able to. And so I bought corn dogs and I bought a bunch of bags of cereal, sugary cereal, and I bought ice cream sandwiches and cheese whiz dip with chips and all, all this sugary junk food, bachelor pad food, that top ramen, I mean, all this stuff. And they thought it was awesome. And listen, I did that because I loved to do it. Fathers, parents, aunts and uncles love to give good gifts to their little kids. They love it. Jesus says you, even though you are evil, which he means even though you're sinful people, you know how to give good gifts to your children. You know how to give good gifts. You know what they need. You like to do it. You know how to give good gifts. And if that's true of sinful people, I, I, I mean, I'm a sinful father. I love my kids and I love to give them good gifts, but I'm still imperfect. And if I, as a sinner, if you, as a sinner, know how to give good gifts, how much more? If you're not just an annoying friend, but how much more if there's a loving father? If you're a sinful father, how much more the perfect father? I love this because what Jesus is telling us is God so much more knows what you need. So much more loves to give to you. So much more does give to you. So much more wants to give to you. Much more. That phrase is so important that Jesus tells us about God. And one of the things I, I should point out here is that he says, everyone who asks will receive. And we know in our experience that's not the case, that we have prayed for things, I've prayed for things, oftentimes very important things, and haven't seen God answer those the way that we would want. And Jesus is speaking, as he often does, in hyperbole, in exaggeration, to make a point, to emphasize something. Just like when Jesus says, if you've ever heard the phrase that if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He isn't really saying you should get a machete and chop it off, but he's trying to emphasize how much this is true. But we also know from this passage that if we are praying for something and God doesn't give us what we prayed for, maybe it's because we're actually asking for a scorpion, even though we think we're asking for an egg. We're actually asking for a snake, even though we think we're asking for a fish. 
Jesus' point in the story is that God is a good Father, and He loves to give, and He knows what we need. So anytime we have had an unanswered prayer, we know from what this says that it can't be because He's not good, can't be because He doesn't know what we need. It would only be because He has something better for us. Even if, listen, I don't say that tritely, even if it doesn't feel like that. I know you have had pain of unanswered prayers. I have too. But we know that God is a loving Father that loves to give. And so anytime He would hold something back, it's only because ultimately there is a deeper love at work that maybe we cannot understand in this moment. So Jesus says, what can help us to pray like this? We need to know the heart of God. Doesn't this help? See, what you need to be able to pray the Lord's Prayer and to pray all those things isn't just effort. It's not just discipline. Prayer is always a reflection of our relationship with God. It's always revealing who we think that God is. Who do your prayers, excuse me, what do your prayers reveal about who you believe that God is? If they're inconsistent, maybe you don't think God's very involved. If they're not with much expectation, maybe you don't think He really can or wants to do much to the degree to the degree that we think God is bad or we think that he's unable or we think he's unwilling or just kind of distant is to the degree that we will pray. Jesus is trying to tell us how to pray but also to help us see you have a father that loves you. If an if an annoying friend gets what he wants, how much more will a father give good gifts? If earthly fathers love to give to their children, how much more will this father? That is what Jesus is trying to help us see. Why? Why would he tell us this? Because God is inviting us in. Jesus isn't just telling you this so you go, okay, oh, got it. But because God is inviting you in. Jesus wants us to be confident in God's love. Confident in God's power confident in God's provision. Jesus wants us to be confident so that we pray, so that we experience all that God wants to be for us and do for us. That is what Jesus teaches, and this is why he teaches it. He wants us to pray with expectation so that we actually ask, so that God actually does. He wants us to experience life with him and all the ways that he said. And listen, we, we are presumptuous to think that God will do things for us and respond if we're not asking him. If we're not bringing our prayers to him, if we're not coming to him, we're presumptuous to think he'll just do it anyway. What might we be missing out on that is because we haven't actually prayed for it? God wants us to come to him as a good Father. Now, let me close with this. What, what does this mean for us? I want, I want to give you five applications very briefly. First is pray the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, here's how you should pray. Pray. I, I would challenge you, encourage you, pray this prayer every day for the next week. Pray this prayer every day for the next week and make it your own. Take the, the, the structure that Jesus gives and pray through it. Pray. I mean, the, the most direct application we can have from this passage is to do what Jesus said and to pray. That's number one. Number two is to ask for what it is that you need. Jesus says to ask, seek, knock. I don't know. Maybe there's a prayer you haven't prayed in a long time. Ask, seek, knock. 
I cannot promise you that God will give you what you want, but I can promise you God is a good Father. Pray. Keep going. Be persistent, just as Jesus teaches. So pray the Lord's Prayer this week, every day. Ask for that thing that God would do it for you, whatever that is, a physical thing, a spiritual thing. Third, is there's a book, and we'll post this in the links, there's a book, for those of you that are parents, of how to teach your kids to pray that I love and I would strongly encourage you to teach your kids to pray. Fourth, we have a Tuesday, Thursday prayer call every week, and I would encourage you to get on that call and pray with God's people together. And then fifth, final application, is offer to pray for somebody. Offer to pray for somebody this week. Offer to pray for somebody today. Maybe that's a friend of yours that doesn't even know God, isn't a Christian, isn't sure what they believe. Offer to pray for them. During this time, people need prayer. Most people are open to somebody praying for them. Offer to pray for somebody this week. Send them a text. Maybe that's a friend in your community group. Maybe maybe that's um, a friend. Maybe it's just your neighborhood. Offer to pray for someone this week. Our instincts when times are crazy, are to pray. And they're right. Our instincts are right. What if, what if we grew in prayer? What if we grew in knowing how to pray like Jesus said? If we grow in praying, we grow and experience the benefits that come with praying. This is what God wants for us. This is what I want for you. This is how we do it. We pray the way Jesus taught us, and we remember who God is to fuel that. I want your life marked by God's involvement in it. I want your life marked by not just you, but the life like water that comes from outside and fuels and hydrates you. I want that for you, each individual listening. I want that for myself. I want us as a church to be a people that is marked by God's life-giving presence and power. And this comes through prayer. Now, we're going to take communion in just a minute. And we take communion, we remember how it is that we can approach God as Father. Jesus went to the cross. His body was broken. His blood was shed, which we remember with the wine and, or juice and, and the bread or crackers or whatever it is that you have. We remember that he gave his life to us so that God would adopt us into his family and be our Father. That Jesus forgave our sins on the cross so we can pray, Father, forgive us again of our sins. That Jesus brought us to God so we have a relationship with him as Father. All our sins gone, all his life given. That is the cross. That is the resurrection. That is what is available to you and to me. Whether you are a Christian or you are just exploring, that is what he wants for you. I'm going to pray and then we will take a moment and take communion. Father, thank you for your goodness. I pray for everybody listening right now that they would, even right now, God, in their homes, wherever they are, that they would experience your presence. You are with us. You are Father. You do love us. You do forgive us. You do provide for us. Thank you that this is how you teach us to engage with you. And God, I, I, I pray, even just now, I'm going to open this back up. And we just pray this. And if you're, if you're, if you're listening, you can just pray this together. You know? And I'll say it in a way that you can even just repeat after me. And, and just go a little slow so you can make this your prayer. Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us 
each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. Amen.